It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And welcome to Thursday's episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. Another happy episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast as we're talking about Scotland. It's not very often in the history of this show that we've been able to say that, and especially not too often that we've been able to do it about Scotland for three shows in succession. But that's where we are right now as a country, and we will get to Tuesday's game with a 0-0 draw in Krakow against Ukraine and we will also go back in time to remember another happy memory as a Scotland fan, but one that didn't really last too long because the second leg then happened and that was very embarrassing. It's, of course, the next in our most memorable matches series as we reach number four. But first, we've got another advert for you. It's Green King advert again. Green King it is a place that prides itself on sowing Sky Sports, BT Sports. So if you want to catch the best in football, and especially if you want to catch the best in Scottish football, Get on the Green King. Eh, sorry, the Green the King. Sorry, <laughs> get on the Green King. Let's try that again. The Green King website and find out where your local is. I've talked last time. Myself and Tori talked about the Kirstorfen Inn. It is a pub very dear to my heart. I've been going there for a number of years. I still go back there now. Uh, despite, well, I actually live close to it now, but um, for, for many years I didn't live close to it and I would still frequent it because it is such a good pub. It was my first local and it's just it feels like going home whenever I go in there. But I've already talked about my experiences. Duncan, name a Green King pub that you like. So I was uh, the Malt Shovel on, just on Coburn Street. That uh, was in a couple of months ago when uh, one of our dear fans from school was back from New York. So it was a good place. A few of us meeting from school met up. It's near Waverley, which is ideal for all of us now that we've uh, got, we've grown up a little bit and they've got commitments and trains last trains to catch and stuff so it was a lovely good pub cracking cracking beer selection couldn't complain did what did basically what i needed to do from a pub which was uh was give me drinks <laughs> yes, i'm a consummate that, salesman yeah exactly it sells it sells drinks at a reasonable price it has sport on the telly for guys like ourselves and for i would say a lot of our listeners that's exactly what you want. So once again, head to the Green King website and find out your new local. Right, guys, I actually forgot to introduce you. I probably should introduce you before the advert. I'm Craig Fowler, and I'm joined by Duncan McKay. Hello. And Craig Telfer. Hello there. 
Aye, what an, what an advertisement for Green King. I will check out, I will visit the Green King website and check out the Green Kings in my area after Duncan's ringing endorsement. And uh, you've been in Glasgow, I'm sure there's going to be a few. But anyway, we're, we're, we're done. We're done with the pr- promotion. Right. We're, we're actually not done with the promotion because Scotland are going up. It's good. If you if you had done that deliberately, I'd have uh, uh, yeah, I would wouldn't have been impressed. But the fact that you fluked into it, Matt, well, I'll let it slide. Every single link I have, whether it's seamless or not, is fluked into. But there's nothing fluky about Scotland. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to I'll stop. I promise I'll stop now. Right, Telfer, we'll go to you first of all. Sum up your emotions after Tuesday evening. Perhaps the, the biggest emotion I, I felt on, on Tuesday evening when the referee blew his full-time whistle, there was two of them. The first one was relief because the final 10 minutes in that game were, were exhausting. It was exhausting. I, I from, from Right from the, the start, I didn't think we'd score. I thought that game would finish in a draw. And the longer it went on, the, the more anxious and the more worried that I became that, that so, there'd be some calamity somewhere. Even though Scotland played quite well, there'd be some calamity somewhere down the line, a misplaced pass, a bobble in the pitch or something, and, and Scotland would, would, would end up losing 1-0. That didn't transpire. And, and those feelings of anxiety gave way to, to feelings of immense pride. I was incredibly proud of the team that the, the full-time whistle. I think that of... Scotland turned in three very good performances across the, the past week, but they're three very different performances. And I think that when you take all the factors into, into consideration, the fact that it was a depleted team missing some of our big best players, the fact that it was on a, a horrible pitch and a, a difficult uh, away day, I mean, well, you know, Ukraine, Ukraine away, I don't know exactly playing at a neutral venue, but you know what I mean? I actually think that performance that we saw on Tuesday was the pick of the bunch. I actually thought it was better than the one against Ukraine on, on uh, and Hamden better than the one against Ireland because it just, what was riding on it as well, it's not often that, that we, how many times have we played ourselves into positions and then, then sort of let ourselves down? If I went, that wasn't that. That showed a real maturity and a real fight in the players. The players should be immensely proud of themselves because I certainly was. Duncan? I think it's... We've, we've just got, for the first time, I think, and I can remember watching Scotland, is we've, we've got a, a squad and team that is that are mentality monsters. That was that weirdly... Uh, you know, Telford was you talking there about the last ten minutes. I was, I was a bit more relaxed actually, because I, I just there was just I've got a belief now in this in this team, and I just yeah, I, I, I was fine with with. I mean, I would maybe have preferred a goal, obviously, but that I just didn't. I just thought there was a level of assuredness in terms of what we were doing, and even even the fact we were as depleted as we were, I thought once we got through the first half, I was like, actually, no, I think I think we're going to be all right here. Um, but again, yeah, obviously, we'd have, I've preferred a victory, but uh, that that's a very good Ukraine team in the circumstances, and we have gone out and absolutely smashed this league. And to come back from where we were pre-Clark, and even the and, and again this idea I, I think it's been a, a great um, get it right up here to a lot of people who were ready to to write Clark off in June when things didn't go our way and again I think that that playoff game was was really difficult and then it was followed by the, that Ireland match and I don't think you can necessarily read too much into that 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 first Ireland match across in Ireland because again that it was end end of season and just also you're coming off the back of an emotionally really difficult game and then but 
we could have gone into the next this, this set of games and it could have all fallen apart. And instead, we've come out and, and absolutely smashed it. Yeah, to echo the kind of sentiment of you guys, the, especially what you were saying, Duncan, in, in terms of having faith. Yes, I was like Telford the last 15 minutes, especially the last 10 minutes. I felt like it lasted forever. Like it just, time just moves so slowly. But at the same point, I didn't really feel the kind of fatalism I would normally feel like, say it was Hearts against mm-hmm. Celtic or Rangers, mm-hmm. I would just be expecting a goal to come. Uh, or, or Scotland from the past, like I would be expecting for us to to make an arse of it in one way or another, to concede in the last minute or, or to, well, to concede at any point really. And it's kind of the, the feeling that we are not allowed nice things. But I still had like a faith that, even though I was so nervous, I still had a real kind of faith that I think we are going to see this out. And there was a period as well. It was about 10 to 50, which was about 50 to 20 minutes of the second half, just kind of around about the hour mark, where I just kind of had this this kind of thought came over me where I was just like, we're good. We're actually good. Like, And it's weird because I'm really not used to, to thinking that about Scotland. And or about football in, this, in general. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. I've uh, never been, I've not been very good. Well, I, I did get to pick Scotland, but I've not been very good at picking uh, the other teams in my life, uh, considering some of the other options on offer. But, uh, oh, well, sport in general, if you want to factor in the Dallas Cowboys and New York Knicks in, in, in consideration. But Telfer's face there. Telfer's <laughs> face there. Texas Fowler had to make a mention. But to do it in the circumstances as well, and I think this goes to. You're, you're talking about the Clark detractors. I mean, if uh, Scott's abroad... Rangers, yeah, just put this out, Rangers <laughs> no, fans. No, no, sorry, Rangers there's Rangers fans. No, no, we can get a, on, a, we'll, subset, a subset of Rangers fans. No, no, we'll, we'll get on to that. And I, I can, we can get on to that when I want to talk about a particular individual player from this game. But no, I was kind of meaning like, I got a bit annoyed at the outset of the last squad being announced. And uh, Scott's abroad pod maybe thinks I was trying to like, pick it on him on Twitter or something. It wasn't so much that. I was just getting annoyed at like the people who are just like incandescent when like a squad comes out and it's like, oh, Ryan Jack's not played well. Kenny McClay's not played well. Why are they in the squad? And why is enter a player who's not had a cap before in the squad instead? Right, let's get cut to it, fellas. Ryan Gold. Let's, that's <laughs> yeah, well, there's that's Ryan Gold. There's other guys as well. Or some um, wanky guy in the MLS whose who's mum once lived in Ayrshire. But I think like when, when people get so upset about this and they're saying, oh, it's ridiculous that he's not in, it's ridiculous that he's in, it's ridiculous that he's still in the squad. It's because of kind of games like this that you, you get the, the club mentality, the familiarity, the continuity, the trust that the players have in each other, that these guys have played international football with each other before, and therefore they can be trusted to go into the situation where we're down to the bare bones. We've got players, I mean, Shea Adams, I, mean, I think Shea Adams was fine, to be honest, he looked like he was fine, but if he was feeling it at all from the, the sickness bug that he had, then incredible what a performance Greg Taylor you could see he was one of the players that were struck down you could see in the first half the the camera went to him after about 25 minutes and the sweat was just absolutely pissing off him he was knackered the fact that it lasted 20 minutes 70 minutes was a heroic effort we later learned as well uh, that Armstrong and Christie it was a surprise that they featured the tall because they were that ill but when you're bringing in guys like Jack and McLean and I mean Declan Gallagher didn't play but he was in the squad for that reason as well is that he's familiar with the rest of the Scotland team. Yes, he might not be as good as insert defender doing very well in the MLS. I don't know. I would say probably, yeah, because I don't think Declan Gallagher at this point in his career in club football is very good. But he's done it for Scotland before. He knows the players around him. And that's why he's in the squad. That's why Ryan Jack was in the squad, why he was in the team. And that's why Kenny McLean was in the team. And while I would say that neither of them had particularly good games on the football, 
With the exception of that chance in the first few minutes where McLean was posted missing, I think they've both done an excellent job defensively, and that's why they were there. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And that's you dropping it. That's you, that was that was Fowler dropping a mic. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know if, who you want Duncan and I necessarily to respond <laughs> to, to that. Yeah, sure. Fine. I'd rather yeah. see Kenny McLean in there than than, uh, than uh, Lewis Morgan. That, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> but but you're absolutely mentality is a big thing like I was at the games against I don't want to spend too much time talking about games previously because other people in this podcast have done that but the games against Ukraine for instance at Hamden at the game and people around me particularly during the second half and we had our boot across Ukraine's throat and but we were missing but chances doing it. Uh-huh. it was a bit as big as where Stuart Armstrong hit a header over the crossbar where and then immediately they think we hit the bar and then Adams had a header, went down the way and got caught under the goalkeeper's feet. People around me were, were saying, seen this before, seen it all before. But <clears throat> a really a weird sense of serenity thinking, this is in the post. It's in the post, mm-hmm. it's going to come. It's going to come. And sure enough, the goal comes and then that opens the floodgates and Scotland went 3-0 and a result that didn't flatter Scotland. And I, and I think that, it's, that Fowler, going back to uh, the fact that the point that you've both made up about like the final 10, 15 minutes of the game, where it's it's not fatalism, it's not a case of thinking, here we go again. I think it's just a natural thing as a football supporter when you're in like a high-pressure, high-profile game. That's how you naturally feel. Nothing to do with Scotland are, are doubting the players are on the pitch. The players are on the pitch. My full backing, my full support, and I completely believe them, that was just a natural feeling. Um, but just... It, an incredible group of players, such a likable group of players, and to a man, other than the the chance that where Yarmolenko smacked it over the crossbar, that should really should have scored from that. Other than that, everyone really, really stuck to their jobs. It wasn't a a, a match where you'd get like any flair performances or anyone like really individual standards, but collectively, I think that Scotland's performance, I, I don't know if the best way to say it is, but greater than some of its parts. Oh, ab- absolutely. And I think um, it's quite, I know some of the, the chat on Tuesday night from those uh, those either non-Scotland fans or, or dour Scotland fans were, were along the lines of all well, you know if, if if Ukraine had taken their chances there was nothing that, but we there was looking back at, uh, watching the game and then watching the highlights again none of their chances were as clean cut as some of the stuff many of the chances Scotland missed the previous Wednesday like uh, the, the we we cut open Ukraine quite a few times. Last week, and in the way that, that we didn't. Okay, okay, there was different setups as well. There was different setups as well. But again, like you know, if you're, you're yeah, if your aunt had wheels, she'd be on. You should be a bike. I know, you know I like know, and, and like, also as well, like if you think about back to the game that we lost in the playoffs, if John McGinn scores that header, like Ukraine were out on their feet for the last twenty minutes. If yeah. we get that goal back earlier, we we probably take that game extra time. We might win, and we might be going to the World Cup. So I mean, it looks shite. Um, but you uh, see, I'm glad. I'm glad. I was joking. It was a right. joke. Because I remember there was a podcast a wee while ago, Duncan, when you said you were finished yeah, yeah, yeah. with Scotland. <laughs> never forgive, no, never no, forget. I didn't, I didn't say I was finished. I didn't say you I was did. finished. You no, said you'd I had said, enough. what was the point? I, I asked what the point was. You said, what was the point of qualifying like for that? the Euros? 
Yeah, because if you were just going to play like that, but things have changed. We got better. We 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 have not played like that. We qualified since. that it was fun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're allowed to change your mind. Is that not what we want as a society? Yeah, you're allowed um, to change your no. mind, and I'm I'm allowed to bring up the stupid oh, yeah. things you've said in the past and wave them in your face. I agree. I agree. To bring it back to the game and to take the heat off me for a bit, um, what you're you're absolutely right, Telfer, about the greater you know, greater than some of your parts stuff because. I don't think anyone exemplifies that more than John McGinn, who, if you took out that team, I think the results are completely the same. And yet John McGinn, did, over the course of three 90-minute games, did, did not play particularly well. No, no. But he is almost this, like, centrifugal force or whatever within the team, like a metronome or whatever, that keeps everything ticking on, despite the fact that, yeah, he, he, he wasn't... He's played... Uh, you know, that was his 50th cap. I would say that he's played better for Scotland 40 other times than those past three performances. I would rank those three performances as some of the some of the is poorest in the Scotland jersey. And I say that as a massive John McGinn fan. But again, it is that thing that I, he's almost irreplaceable within that system as well. Right, let's. You, you, you've brought him again. Let's get to some of the individual performers. Duncan, we'll begin with you because I, I think you will be thoroughly looking forward to, to praising this man and his the, the the performance he put in to, to help Scotland to not only you know get promotion to the Nations League League A uh, to get pot two for the European Championships and also um, there was something else I've forgotten as well that was seeded. Ah, yeah, sorry, into the playoffs as well, should we we fail in our qualification campaign. And that man, of course, Duncan, is Hearts goalkeeper Craig Gordon. I, I, th- I thought you were, uh, I mean, I, I appreciate the setup. I genuinely thought you were going to switch this for, for Jack Hendry at the end, <laughs> um, but, uh, I, which I think would have probably been funnier. Um, no, <laughs> um, Craig Gordon has, yeah, has pulled, yeah, but... The, my one concern about Craig Gordon, no, actually, it's not. My one comment about Craig Gordon is we've got got to stop saying that shots fired straight at him are world class because he's doing it a lot, and it's it's you, it, you commentators better, are doing you it a lot. Better heavy bastard. It's annoying me. Um, Have no, you ever heard I, of good I, positioning, Duncan? Eh? I. No, I'm a Hibs fan. <laughs> Have you seen some of our? Have you seen some of our goalkeepers? Well, um, you know what? You know no, and again, I'll, I'll, I'll say that actually I think um, the shot that came off McGregor's studs That's in the really second good half, save. that was really exactly good the sort of thing that had we had other goalkeepers or... Um, just another year of Scotland that that goes in like that's you see the like, angle you know, Duncan yeah, actually that's a very very good point I was actually going to raise that because especially when you see the angle behind the striker I'm sorry I don't know I can't remember the name of the Ukrainian player that shot but when you see it flick I'm not going to do it to not be offensive because I wasn't paying attention to any of the Ukrainian players other ones that I've, I've heard of in the past so I'm so sorry if there are any Ukrainian soccer fans tuning into this looking for a deep dive into the, the pluses and minuses from your squad I don't care but when you saw that behind the goal from the, the angle from behind him, when it's you could easily just to see that like just going underneath him or, or spinning up over him, and just to get your your body behind that and stop it from spilling out in front of you was really good. I I, I do know what you say there. There does t- tend to be um, over exaggeration of, of straightforward shots, particularly ones that are straight at him. However, he made a save in the in the second half where he got down. That I mean, 
he got a really strong his right hand to, to to not just save it but just tip it away from the and push it towards the byline for a corner. Just exemplary goalkeeping, and it's I I, I begin to understand what what Hart and Midlothian fans say where when he gets praised. I think this is something that Fowler and, and, and Robert Borthwick and Joel Skeddell talk about where he does incredible things that, um, that as somebody who doesn't watch, necessarily watch that, that standard of football very often, you're just like, my goodness, that was incredible, what a save. And it's like, he does it all the time. It's fine. He does it all the time. It's fine. And it's having someone like that in as well. You talk mentality monsters. Having someone like that in behind you, knowing that you've got him as a, effectively an insurance policy, like for the players in front of you and for all the supporters like watching at home or, or in the grounds, the Scotland fans, that's massive. That's that's huge having someone like that. And I think that on Craig Gordon, I would to this. I will absolutely praise it. I think we the story itself. Like this was a guy. I know that we. It's probably done to death, but I don't actually think it has been done to death. No, this is a guy who a couple to about ten years ago had to move his bed downstairs because he, he physically couldn't get up and down the stairs. You know, like I don't think we should talk. We should just um, kind of distinguish between what that. As, as a person, what an achievement it is for him not only to come back, but also to to be able to play international football and play at such a high level. And and again, you're right, he gives that assurance to whoever happens to be playing centre-back, whether it be uh, Jack Jack Hendry or, in in this case, and I'm going to set you up for the link here, if I were, Ryan Porteous. Oh, man. I was actually going to go to, to Telford, first of all, for, for Porteous. Um, yeah. His debut. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you eating words, actually. This is time to turn the tables. Yeah, that's Give me the opinion on the man you said we played for Coup of the South by now. Yeah, that was something that, that is always. Weirdly, it's, all, it's always bothered about Ryan Porches. I've never doubted his talent. I've always thought he's been a really good player. No, listen, I'm going to. Like, there's a buck coming here. I've never doubted okay. his talent and his abilities. Are, is a, like, because he can, he can do a bit of everything as a centre back. You know, he's big, strong, reads the game well. And perhaps his, his best asset is his ability to, to start play out from the back. And I know that that's a really important aspect of a Hibernian's play, is that he's effectively a, a playmaker for Hibs. And that's, that's incredible for someone that's as, as young as that. Quick for a centre half as well. <laughs> Exactly, exactly, thank you. But the, the other thing that, that's always had that doubt in my mind is just the, the inability to, to screw the nut at times, to, to sometimes want to, want to play up, want to noise people up sometimes, sometimes being a bit rash, sometimes being a bit uh, thoughtless and a bit reckless. And that, that's perhaps why, I mean, it's obviously a bit tongue-in-cheek that they'll be playing for Edinburgh, captaining Edinburgh City to the <laughs> East of Scotland third-tier title in five years. That's obviously... Because uh, well, they're FC Edinburgh now, eh? Of course, of course. Beg your pardon, beg your pardon. Um, but no, I thought that w- when he came into the squad, that, that's something I don't understand. When he came into the squad and there was a lot of people, Porteous, what the fuck? I was like, well, well if it's not Porteous, then, then who? You know, given, I mean, Scotland are not blessed with high quality centre-backs. This isn't the, the late 80s and early 90s anymore. You know, it's a position that, that, that has been uh, a, a bit of an issue. So Porteous coming in, Fine, and then when when obviously uh, McKenna is unavailable, why not play Porteous? But that's the thing is when I saw him starting, there was no, there was no doubt that that in my mind that that he would be as as good a player as he possibly could be for Scotland. I, and he didn't let me down. Didn't let anybody down. Didn't let anybody down. A brilliant performance, and it's incredible to think that was the first time that him and Ryan Jack. Um, Ryan Jack, Jack Henry had played together because the chemistry between them, that looked like a veteran centre-back partnership. There's one bit late on in the game. I think Porteous 
came came out to meet the ball, missed it, and it was played into space. But there was Jack Hendry just in, in to, to sweep up. And that's the sort of thing that, that takes like years to develop. It's not the sort of thing that you tend to see in uh, just the, oh, that's, that's developed over the space of 90 minutes. And I think that I'm just really, really pleased for him. Really pleased for him because he, he will shut up a lot of doubters, myself included, and he's probably uh, taking that Scotland cap. He goes up to um, Ron Gordon's desk, slams the cap down and says, stick an extra couple of zeros in that contract and I'm fucking off. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Duncan, we're going to set you up here. You must have been like a proud dad after that one. It was. I, I remember the the pride I had. So Keith Wright came on. Uh, no, Keith Wright started, I think, in 1992, a friendly against Northern Ireland. And vaguely remember seeing the, the highlights from that. But just the idea of up, and then there wasn't really a Hibs player played for Scotland. I mean, Jim Layton, but it was like he had his reputation. You know, but uh, Darren Jackson scored against Latvia in like '96. I remember being buzzing, and that was exactly the same feeling on on Tuesday night. Uh, except instead of idolising this older person, I was now like proud dad. Like it's the, it's the yeah, it is the. Um, circle of life of being a football fan um, and I'm starting to doubt that I will actually have a professional football career now because these guys are a lot younger than me um, so yeah there was, that, there was that element and it, yeah it was I mean I think a lot of uh, I think everything around Ryan Reports has been over the top I think that's a fair thing I don't think he is as bad as people have said and I also do not think he is the great the, the second coming as this the reverse nature of Hibs Twitter has come in. I, I think he's a very good player. I think he's one of the most talented players that, uh, that will, and has the that has the potential to be a fantastic international footballer. Sorry, but again, sorry, but, sorry, but, um, thing. but it, it go back to what Telfer said about like people saying like why is Portis in the squad? I think with hindsight, it certainly makes a lot of sense because of how Clark wanted to play across these three games, which is to play a high line and, and squeeze the pitch, and therefore mm-hmm. you need somebody like Portis who's got a bit of pace. Like imagine Declan Gallagher couldn't have done that. Yeah, like, and imagine like Craig Halkett had been fit. Now, he was, I think recently he was called up to a squad when Portis wasn't. So you would maybe think, ah, if, if the squad came out and Halkett was fit and he was out and Portis was in, you'd be like, especially Hearts fans would be like, well, this is an absolute disgrace. But Halkett's not quick on the turn. So he would have struggled with the, the high line that, that Scotland played. So it did make sense in hindsight. But the reason why I think a lot of people were a bit confused, there was also, there were those who just think Portis incorrectly is just shite like people call him a cart horse and a donkey I just don't get no, at all no, like he's a very good passer of the ball like if you're not paying attention I, I, to that you, you, you don't really understand football I'm sorry any, anyone um, that says that is just doing it for a reaction or is just showing themselves or just showing their arse in public basically yeah but I understood some people going and that's a bit weird because he's not had a good start to this season Oh, yeah, well, I, I, he was much better. Yeah, he, he hasn't. He was much better in the game against Aberdeen, but that was his, that was the first time this season that he's he's shown up. I mean, there was yeah, games I, where was where, where Rocky Bashiri was playing better than him. Yeah, no, yeah, he was. Um, he was good against Hearts as well. I would say though, I thought he played very well in the the nil nil game. But that that was an aspect to the fact that. But he did. He still had this faith, didn't you, that he's going to play well? Like when he when we were talking. Uh, in the Discord chat, which uh, you can get access to, by the way, um, from signing up to Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Terrace Podcast. We were talking before the game about who should start. And I thought I thought Gallica would start because I thought we were maybe going to sit a bit deeper. I didn't I didn't think, especially with the sickness bug and the players we had out, that Clark would continue with the same tactics. And, and fair play to him for doing that. That shows a, a lot of positivity and a lot of guts to do that and not just go, right, let's 
try and defend for, for 90 minutes. But So I thought Gallagher would start, but I did say, I hope Poacher starts, and if he starts, I think he'll rise to the occasion because he does a lot of his, and he's the mid-system himself, like a lot of his his mistakes tend to come in games where it's just a bit easier to, to kind of switch off, like run-of-the-mill run games for Hibs. Typically in derby games, typically in, in big games at, like the Camden, he plays well. Yeah, there's, there's no no argument from that for me. Uh, you haven't have watched him even some a few times when he was on loan at um, the the team formerly known as Edinburgh City. Um, you know that you could you could see that there was there's there isn't I haven't seen where the ceiling is yet on Porches aside from in in his own head. I think this is what I would I would say like I could comfortably see him playing abroad, but again he's had it's. It's whether he's going to listen because it's the same. It's the same issues that that come up time and time again. It's not every every single manager has, has told him that thing. I think potentially he's not had a manager that is assertive and as uh, sure of himself as as Steve Clark. I think you know, Neil Lennon. I think we we fair to say is Racklin security and, and and the like and stuff like that. Whereas you know Clark now is the most assured manager I remember <laughs> you know like he's just he just knows what he wants he's clear about what he wants he's clear and he's got he's confident in himself uh and doesn't seem doesn't seem capable of being rattled at this stage and also has a has a lot of disdain for a lot of people for a lot of the outside noise which I think is really positive and and that's hopefully a, a will be a positive on Porch's career I mean it's going to be Fascinating to see. I, I I cannot see the new deal coming at Hibs, and so what do Hibs do? Do we do we do we, do we cash in, in in January? I mean, we, it doesn't look like unless we're having a real tilt at third. Like, what, still, what's the point in keeping them? Sort of thing. As much as I, like, I'd love to love to see him here for longer. It, his future does seem abroad or in England, and yeah, that's that's going to be a shame. But it's not for a Hibs fan's perspective, but for a Scotland perspective, you want him to be playing at the highest possible level where he, ha- where he has to do that concentration all the time because then you are hoping the mistakes will, will disappear. Telford, we're going, you're going to talk about Jack Hendry once we get to the Patreon, so we'll put him to the side for now, but he obviously had a, an excellent game yeah. as well. But we'll, we'll, we'll look to the, another member of the defence. I think it's fair to say now that Aaron Hickey is once oh, and for all put, put, put to bed... The, the debate of whether he can play it right back. Definitely. I think that Aaron Hickey's per time at Scotland, you know you the expression, you only get one chance to make a first impression. And it, it just so happened that his first impression came up against a match that everyone in the country was looking forward to, absolutely couldn't <laughs> wait for. And he was pretty rubbish in it. You know, I think he was... Like, he, like he, turning he up to in, a dinner party with no underwear on and your, your zipper's open. That sounds like what you would do anyway, Fowler. That does, <laughs> that's, that's just that's just lunch for you. Um, but no, with, with Hickey, I think it's it's that game. Craig Anderson and I recorded a podcast in the wake of that game, and and, and uh, Craig Anderson was, I mean, maybe quite rightly in that that thing. I think he said that puts to, actually Craig Anderson might have said it. And I need to. You'll probably correct me on this. You, you, you know what he's like, but I think uh, it's, it's, <laughs> he might have said some that performance against Ukraine uh, back in um, June puts to bed any notion that he can actually play at right back. However, his performance is over since replacing Nathan Patterson. I've completely um, completely obliterated that. I thought he was fantastic across the three games. 
what an engine, what an attitude, what application. I mean, he was up against a very difficult opponent and Mudrick, you know, sometimes Mudrick got the, the better and we saw that for the, the, the chance he created for, for, for Yarmolenko. But just in terms of what he brings to the team, that degree of thrust and that, um, that bit of flair and that bit of, I, I'm not just saying this because he, he's playing the continent, but just he's, he's just a really, I like watching him when he's on the ball, you know, because he can go inside, because he, he can, he plays, this This might sound a bit, a bit daft, but he plays at fullback a bit like a central midfielder. You know, I'm thinking, and I'm going to paraphrase this, right? I'm going to, so I'm going to put the caution, but see when Willie Gibson played it right back for Queen of the South. <laughs> <laughs> Relate, relatable content for yeah, loads of people. Like, oh yeah, there's folk home saying, oh yeah, Willie Gibson at right back for Queens. Yeah, I remember that. But just the idea, somebody who's spent their entire time in the, the middle of the pitch can, can bring so much culture. That's the word I'm looking for, culture position. And I think that it's it's a massive boon for Scotland. You know, so you think that with, with Patterson going down injured against Ukraine at Hamden, you think that's a that's a difficult position to come in and fill because Pat Patterson's got, Patterson's perhaps his best quality, I think it's his personality. Like he's just really gallusy the way he's, his chest puffed out with his young team haircut. It feels like nothing phases him. And I think that his Scotland career, I know he had a, quite a difficult game against Israel, but played his way into the game and ended up being really good. Hickey's like, first cap was, it was a poor performance and a poor match for Scotland and a big, it meant a lot to them. But what we've seen over the last three weeks, very, very impressed by him. And it's great to know that we've got options. It's just, why? Why? It's a, everyone will said this, but if you had to pick a position that you could have amazing players in, the last position you'd probably pick is fullback. You could have anywhere else in the pitch, but just are completely overstocked by like top quality fullbacks. But fantastic player, and and similar to what you were saying to, or what Duncan said about being a proud dad, you must sort of feel the same. Fowler, having seen his development, I remember seeing him fight. Sorry, at the Scottish Cup final against Celtic, when he was taking sixty-yard diagonals in his chest. Given and James Forrest couldn't get it forward because Hickey was playing like a, a left winger. Brilliant man, brilliant. It's great, great to see. Great to see. And it looks like he's puffed up a wee bit as well. He certainly has. It's not quite the same because, well, firstly, Hickey was only really in the Hearts team for a, well, not even a year because it was the his, his cup final appearance was his second ever appearance. He then played all of the following season and. I was I was somebody that said like he's he's going to go places because he's managed like unlike a lot of young players who eventually get taken down by the crap around them. He was from from my opinion the the second best Hearts player and, and what was a, a dreadful team. So it was easy to be better than a lot of them, but at the same time he, he never really let his performance get affected by the fact that the, the, the club was a shambles at the time. So I could tell that he was somebody that that had a, a good head on his shoulders and obviously a, a lot of ability. But it's not quite the same as Porteous because it was just still kind of generally agreed that Aaron Hickey was good and was going places. Whereas with Duncan with Porteous, he's had to kind of defend him. I was probably more of a proud dad with Porteous than I was with Hickey. Because <laughs> well, um, well, I'm a Hearts fan and uh, every time it's an Edinburgh derby, I'm, I'm not a fan of Ryan Porteous. The rest of the time, I think anybody listening to this knows I'm a big fan of him and I have been going to bat for him for about four years now, ever since I... Ever since like he first came through Hibs, and after a few months, I was like, right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch a, a couple of games of him on Wisecout and see what he's all about. And then immediately, I saw everything what you talked about earlier, Telford, his passing ability, his pace, the, the size of him, and thought, right, he's got all the tools. He's a good player, and nobody, well, not nobody, but you know, a lot of people was like, nah, shite, shite, shite. And so, yeah, I've I've probably been 
arguing more for portraits than ever for Hickey, so there's maybe more pride on that side. And also, he came on the podcast once as well. Aaron, Aaron Hickey's not coming on the podcast, so fuck him. Yeah. <laughs> but I, as you, uh, I think you you tweeted that about that on Friday on Wednesday night, didn't you? About or Tuesday night, even sorry about uh, the doubters of portraits, and uh, and there was there was a, a lot of them, and a lot of people should kind of know better that were tweeting out when the, the squad was announced and doing dog whistle stuff for Rangers fans, and like I just. Fuck those guys, like. But there was still like still people in hindsight, and it seems to be like a lot of Aberdeen fans, and it's just so a lot of it's just so kind of pathetic, and it's the same with Rangers fans and Steve Clark, like. And there, there will be other examples. Just except we're good. Just yeah. except we're good. The stuff that you were talking about there, fellow, with Aberdeen fans, it's like where where people it was a couple of Aberdeen fans, but I think people were broadly glowing about Scotland's performance and glowing about Porteous's performance. Because you got to remember it's a, a young guy thrust into his making his international debut in a must you know must not lose game for Scotland. Difficult circumstances, somebody you've never played alongside before, etc. etc. And obviously Porteous's performance draw a lot more scrutiny than anyone else's and, and people were really positive for him. But there was a couple of Aberdeen fans who were like, mm, actually, he got caught out a couple of times as a pretty average <laughs> performance. And it's like, fuck off, man. Just enjoy it. Also, was, like, also, he was caught out of position because Steve Clark was asking him to be aggressive and cut, trying to intercept those passes. Like, if you're saying he was caught out of position, it means you don't understand what he's been asked to do. Henry was there always to, to mop up and, and Porches was to take the ball. The only, the only time I really thought was the Yarmolenko chance where I thought he, he wasn't fully aware to the danger and he could have... Because he kind of, I went jogging is probably a bit harsh, but he, he could have run, he could have showed a bit more intensity to get back in the penalty area, and then that would have spread the defence out a bit more, and we wouldn't have got caught at the back post. But that was like what three minutes in his international debut. Come on, man, <laughs> cut the guy some fucking slack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one brief player I want to touch on because I've not seen him like Shea Adams again I had an oh, excellent performance hey. up front done a lot of running but we've we've kind of talked a lot about Adams I suppose we've talked a lot about this next player as well but I've not really seen a lot of fans credit him with having a, a terrific game and I thought he did Callum McGregor I thought he was excellent really? you've not seen him in credit I thought he was excellent I, I thought McGregor I mean he, every, that's like from the three games didn't have his best game against the Republic of Ireland because he was a bit slack with his passes and it was his pass that, that set their, their two-on-one uh, counter. But really good, it's, it's, he's a sort of player, maybe more so than anyone in that team, perhaps maybe about Billy Gilman only, but obviously he wasn't playing. But somebody when he's on the ball, it's just like, I just have complete faith in, in what he's going to do. That's why when he gives the ball away, I, I, I was, you know, when a commentator, remember it was like Cesc Fabregas playing for Arsenal makes a misplaces a pass and the commentator says, oh, not, not, not really like him. That's that's what I feel like uh, with, with with Callum McGregor, just someone who exudes exudes calmness, and I think that you can maybe say underrated. And it's strange because he's the like he's a Celtic captain, but I think that perhaps Celtic have got all these amazing players, like flair players, more attack minded players around them that dominate the discussion ahead of him. But I thought he was a, a really good performance, really good performance from him. I would, yeah, I would, uh, Tuesday especially, but he was he has been strong across all all three games and I think that I know uh, I know that there's a lot of feeling that the Celtic and Rangers players sometimes get picked just because of who they play for and stuff um, and I don't I think that's I don't think Steve Clark falls into that category or anymore but myths myths continue but there's there's an element that you McGregor is so crucial for that just having the experience of all of that he has of game management around especially in 
not always successfully, but I mean, you learn from mistakes as well. And I think you can see that when McGregor plays in Europe as well. Now that he's every season, he's learning and getting better at where to place himself within a team. And I think that we are benefiting from that. Um, and that's hugely positive as well. Right, guys, I think we've talked enough about Scotland from a couple of days ago. Let's go all the way oh, got, but, oh, wait, there's, nothing to, there's nothing to sum up then just about the, the Nations League and how much fun it is. Oh, and it's, just, uh, oh it's certainly much better than fucking friendlies, anyway. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's that's the point. Like, even that, that, if you didn't have World Cup qualification or, or whatever, World Cup qualification and stuff like that, like you weren't, Hamden's not. Selling almost selling out, like almost sold out for both games. Yeah, uh, on Wednesday Saturday, like there's there's momentum behind going. Like Scotland games now are fun to go to, which is a which is a big thing. But also they're meaningful to go to. Like yeah, I, 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 like, I, I don't watch friendlies. I don't watch like playing Switzerland or United States, and twenty thousand people show up at Hamden, and we like with the Hamden stuff's been done to death. Hamden when it's full is a good Brilliant. atmosphere. Yeah, Hamden when it's sixty percent full, rubbish. It's starting to get is starting to get very poor, and anything below, anything about fifty percent, he'd be as well playing it on the moon. But um, so the fact that we've now getting that we're now getting to a place where when we do play minerals, it's rare. Like you know that like you're gonna we're gonna get minerals in qualifying groups, but you're not gonna they're not gonna be the, yeah I don't know like yeah just that that all games are meaningful now. So mm-hmm. even the mineral games are becoming big for us. And again, it's all this slow progression, isn't it? It's just getting like when we were like a couple of years ago, we were in, we were seeded fourth for for groups and stuff. And people are, like, why are we not qualifying? Well, because it's really difficult to qualify yeah. for fourth. But if you just slowly build up, and now we're in second, now we're second seeds, and we we are now talking about the chance that's that one of, of, of becoming you, top seeds. Which that's is one of my favourite things. Is when you see the when the pots, you know the, the tweets coming, it's all the, the flags of the different nations. You're working right. What's the, the death group of Spain and and, and Turkey and, and Serbia, and then the dream group where you get Hungary and, and San Marino and uh, Kosovo, whatever. That's great fun. Is planning out, and it's great to be in the discussion where you're sort of you're, you're looking down the way. And thinking who you fancy playing against, rather than thinking, oh, I hope we avoid, um, hope we avoid so and so. It's a good feeling, man, and it's uh, it's been a great tournament. The the, the, the competition has uh, has been really really suited Scotland. Right now, let's go back nineteen years to November fifteenth, two thousand and three, to number four on our most memorable Scotland matches of all time, except the, the last couple of years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And created a point when uh, when Scotland were not as good as they are now it is the Euro 2004 playoff first leg at Hamden Park Scotland won the Netherlands nil James McFadden as the goal scorer number one in the UK singles chart was slow by Kylie Minogue and number Chim- one at the UK box office was the Matrix Revolutions not oh. a good movie guys firstly before we get into remembering this match Telfer, I'll start with you. Are you surprised this is number four on our list? Yes, I am, because the, the this game was, was excellent. The three days that followed were excellent. The fourth day was absolutely shocking and immediately brought you back down to earth. Uh, so I'm surprised it's as high as this. 
if it's just like in a vacuum, then then perhaps. But it's it's not in a vacuum. So yeah, I'm surprised as high as, as this. Like to be um, to I'd, be ahead of the, the the opening game of the '98 World Cup and to be ahead of the fuck C2 off. Is this ahead of? Yeah, it's ahead of Brazil. Oh man, and to also be ahead of beating the the, the Netherlands in the 1978 World Cup. Come I, on, I, who, who put this list together? Was this you? It was, no, it was it was voted on by our listeners. Vote, uh, I, uh, right, well there you go. There's your first problem then. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna defend our listeners um because I I Because you're I scared of the Patreon money being taken away, that's why. <laughs> no, I think it's a it's a demographic thing, isn't it, more than anything? Is that most people uh that are that are listeners of the podcast, this was I mean we they, they probably can vaguely remember France Night it wasn't formative, there wasn't games that were going to Potentially as like on your own or with pal, not on your, own, but with pals. Like not when you're like, because I remember France '98, and that was my first year of high school. Like you know, like it was amazing, but it wasn't the same as what I imagine this was, which was people going to the game and ha- getting absolutely out the face, and then we beat Holland, or we beat the Netherlands, which is absolute class. Um, and again, let's not talk about what happened in Amsterdam four days later. Like, but uh, so I think it, I think I can see why because it felt like because also there's an element it was that was the James McFadden talisman sort of thing that he that he was capable of doing incredible things for Scotland uh, and and I think it feeds into how we felt about. English football and how English football felt about Scottish football as well that, that he was maybe not getting he was not a regular fixture in England and it's like oh you don't appreciate a flair player like that that plays off the cuff and he was a bit of a throwback and and obviously then he had his injuries and but he's he, you know he always performed well not always but he always did a good good shift for Scotland so I, th- I can see why it is where it is because this and also the scenes and it was like it was a total as the highlight show a total backs against the whole job where um but we and we fluked it basically but we but by god did we fluke it with an incredible goal it's this thing see the, the goal sorry like I, I, i'll let you talk you've probably got a bit of structure to this rather than my own uh... <laughs> well before before we get into it, i need to read it the team so we'll, we'll get to yeah, the goal soon enough so um Usually I would maybe just well, I usually would just read it the Scotland team, but I think I have to read it the, the Netherlands team as well. Oh, the Netherlands team—that was a good group of players. Like, we should maybe start with that, right? I, can, I never know how to pronounce the the right back's name, but uh, Uyer, so, Andre Uyer, Andre Uyer, right? So Edwin van der Sar, Andre Uyer, Yapstam, Frank de Boer, Giovanni van Bronckhurst, who was replaced at halftime by Clarence Seedorf, Andy van der Meda, Philip Koku, Edgar Davids, Raphael van der Vaart, Mark Overmars, Patrick Clivert, Roy Mackay, Ruud van der Storoy. That's just ridiculous. When you think Some about some of the players... ...included Zenden, uh, Reisiger and van Hooydonk. Ah, <laughs> like, it's like when you think about growing up, and I, I don't know if it's you, you, you sort of have that... that uh, that that degree of nostalgia for some players, you know, I think that's like you see like nineties throwbacks and 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 so on that, that that you the sort of things you might read in Mundial like, like this sort of thing. But but these players, this was like high end stuff. I mean, from from me watching football, like Edwin van der Sar, arguably one of the best goalkeepers of the last like twenty years. I mean, he went on playing for Manchester United till he was forty and was right. Like, remember when he used to. 
the, the, like somebody would have a penalty against Manchester United and Van der Sar would stand in the goals like with his yeah. arms spread out and the goals just look absolutely tiny like top end goalkeeper Yap Stam one of the best centre backs in, in Europe maybe, maybe a wee bit past his best at, no enough because he played, went on to win the Champions League in Milan I'm talking shit Yap Stam great player Andy van der Meide one of the best young wingers in Europe at the, the time he might have been with Internazionale uh, Patrick Cliver, a good striker, and Ruth Van Nistelrooy, who was one of the best strikers in the world. So they're, they're genuinely world-class players. Edgar Davids, one of the most iconic players and one of the most memorable players from, from, from that period of time, especially at his time in the, with Ajax and, and, and with Juventus. So there's some fucking good players in that Netherlands side. And, and, and I'm on the Scotland side. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Ram Douglas, Jackie McNamara, Stephen Presley, Lee Wilkie, Gary Naismith, Darren Fletcher, Christian Daly, Barry Ferguson, Neil McCann, who was replaced by Stephen Pearson, Paul Dickoff, who was replaced by Kerry Miller, James McFadden, who was replaced by Don Hutchison. Subs not used, Jonathan Gould, Graham Alexander, I'm going to guess it's Gary Caldwell, and Stevie Crawford. Stevie Crawford, jeez. And set your own Norm MacDonald, all the stars. Um, (laughs) It's uh, workmanlike, I think you'd say, about that Scotland team. Not a lot of flair, not a lot of stardust. Good, honest pros at that point. There is. Betty Betty Volks definitely deserves a lot of stick, especially since we immediately became better as soon as he left and Watersmith came in charge. But you do have to caveat a wee bit with the fact that we had an absolute pile of shite in terms of talent to pick from during his time in charge. And he was only really at fault for David Weir not being in the squad. Like, just not, not a real, real low point. And that's, in terms of talent, it's got to be the worst we've had in Scotland in my lifetime. So it's got to be the worst that Scotland have had, I don't know, ever? I think uh, Lee Lee Wilkie's a better player than David Weir. It's as simple as that. But you're, uh, now you're, you're, you're spot. I'm trying to think. So it would be before. So we had 1970 was before was the last World Cup. Uh, we, so we went from 74 and we qualified all the way until 90. We didn't make USA 94, but we had made Euro 92 and Euro 96 and we were France 98. So yeah, you're probably right. That I mean, this was the the, the weird <laughs> the weird thing is that that was. This was considered a foul period. We've been five. It'd been what five years since we've been to a major championship. Like you imagine, like yeah, could you imagine at that point being told? By the way, it'll be uh, another um, eighteen years until you're uh, until you until you enjoy something. Um, yeah, you <laughs> until you can laugh again. Yeah, uh, you, you would be a bit you'd be a bit peeved, but then you're you're absolutely right because we did we did stop producing players, and you can probably link it. I don't know. Yeah, they'll probably link it to the start of the, the Premier League and, and Premiership and potentially, I'll, I'll, I'll just do it on a limb. David Murray taking over Rangers and then and, influx and, and English players. Why not? Let's do it there. And just, we, we just stopped developing players proper. I mean, we did, obviously, players became professional, but there was no uh, structure to, to youth uh, football. And I think that's, I mean, Craig Brown had, when Andy Broxburgh were pointing it out to the SFA, they just chose not to do anything about it. Right, but let's get to the match itself. We were going to talk about the goal earlier. Telfer, James McFadden. It's a nicely, it's a nicely worked goal. I'd kind of forgotten how much of a deflection it is. Yeah, I was going to say oh, that. I was going to say that. It's like I, I remember watching it as a wee boy. I think I watched it with my dad, 
and my dad going off his head. My parents was going off, going off her heads at it because it was that was a t- period. This would have been McFadden had gone to Everton at this point. Yes. So this is post Red Mohawk, post Red Mohawk and, and Rat's Tail, James McFadden. Uh, and I remember he was for, for a long time. I think he might be my all-time favourite Scotland player, James McFadden. I think there was that that period where you used the word talisman, Duncan. There's no other better word to use to describe him because it was always like we might not be very good, but you've got someone who can create something out of nothing here. And that was exemplified by by that goal there. It was a short corner, comes back out to McFadden, a really, really nice one-two with Darren Fletch. I think this was his nascent Scotland career as, as well. Nice little back heel into him. And I thought it was like a, a, a curled finish. That's I thought it was as he opens up his body and, and curls in, but no, no, it takes a massive deflection, which takes it away from Van der Sar. So disappointing that it was finished like that, but I don't think you can really fault the build-up play. It's an absolutely magnificent piece of play. And I remember going off my head, going, absolutely going off my head. Uh, watch it just, like sometimes you can't articulate, so just shouting the word yes over and over again. Just, yes, yes. Oh, do, man. Do, you, do you remember where you were for this fowler? Yeah, I was watching it in the Victoria... Was it the, no, was it the Victoria Bar? Uh, I can't remember the name of the pub. The Pandora, there you go. It was in the Pandora in Glasgow, in uh, off of Victoria Road. I was with my mum's boyfriend at the time. And uh, yeah, the pub, pub was absolutely bouncing after the game. I remember they played uh, uh, Rocket All Over the World, and it was class. And then I'm pretty sure I was in the same bar to watch the return leg. Uh, a few days later, it was three, no way, three days later, yeah, like, no way, four days later. That's not because this was a weekend yeah. as well. I'm pretty sure. So it was no. It was, it, was a, it was a Saturday. It was a yeah Saturday three three p.m. kickoff because I I remember it was my I was first year at uni and gone down to Dundee to meet up with with pal. It was at Dundee and another pal from, uh, that was at St Andrews to come across. They weren't really football fans, so I was like, right, I'll uh, I'll meet you at five because we're going to we're going to gig that night. We're going to see. Um, New York band Stellstar, if anyone remembers them. Yes, uh, shout out. I yeah, yeah, went yeah. to, I'm sure Duncan, this is actually a little point of interest, Duncan and I happened to be at the same gig seeing Stellstar. Obviously, we didn't know each other at the time, back in 2004. Stellstar were playing at King Tut's in Glasgow, supported by a little-known band at the time called The Killers. Yeah, you're, wow, you're supposed to say wow, Fowler. Heard of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They opened their set. I actually got their set. Their drummer gave me the set, which was written on a paper plate. They started off with Jenny was a friend of mine. And you're like, that's really, really good. That sounds like barbarism begins at home by the Smith. And the second song they did was Mr. Brightside. And you're like, wow, we, this band are very, very good. And obviously the killers have gone on to have great success. Stellar Star, not so much. <laughs> no, but uh, well, I, I prefer Stellstar. Well, uh, you know, there we go. They were playing the Westport Bar that night. Um, and, uh, yeah, Star remember, a, a, a year later, I would know all about. A year, I didn't know the killers at this point, but a year later, I would know all about them because literally, it seemed like every single person at university had a copy of the Killers album in their dorm room. Yes. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just so I was in this old man pub waiting to, waiting to meet. Said I'd meet them at five, and I was in this old man pub. Um, and it just went absolutely banal, like proper wooden floor sort of effort in Dundee and just going absolutely, and I th- vaguely remember people just buying nips for people just because we were winning, and we kind of needed that for uh, the fact that we got battered for the, for the rest of the game. I know, <laughs> that was something else I didn't remember. I was thinking like, 
having real optimism that we'd maybe managed to do it in the second leg. I don't know, like looking back at these highlights, I'm like, how did I have any optimism? We started the game well, we then scored in the 22nd minute, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And then it seemed like the rest of the game was just Holland battering us uh, and us having a couple of half chances on the counter-attack. But otherwise, um, to be fair, there wasn't a whole lot of clear-cut chances and Van der Meda hits the crossbar and Clarence Seedorf, I would say, probably has the best chance when he plays a nice one too burst into the box and just really kind of has a wild finish where he slices it high and wide. So to be fair, we did defend pretty well, but it was just, yeah, our, our goal was peppered for, for the majority th- of this yeah. game. I, th- I think, um, I know you and Taylor's mentioned it a few times about uh, Scotch clubs not being able to necessarily manage a two-legged affair because it's unusual to them. And I th- I, I'm not I'm not sure I could even defend Scotland on that one. I think that they just left everything they had out on that pitch on the, in the first leg, and then uh, yeah, rocked up in Amsterdam and uh, got the bum felt badly. Remember that was one of the game. I know we don't necessarily spend too much time talking about the second leg, but Rab Douglas, who had a decent game in the first leg, certainly very strong performance and goals, dealt with what most of what was thrown at him. Really, he was the one that sort of let a really tame shot go right through him. Am I right in saying that? And the, the second leg, I haven't watched the highlights for the second leg. I have no interest in watching the highlights for the second leg. <laughs> but I just remember at the time thinking, like, yeah, we took a bit of a panel, but it gives us a good chance going to the second ta- the second leg and just really, really, really poor. And that and really shown up. I think the, probably the 6-1 across the two legs was, was very reflective. And you can't say it flatters um, the, the Netherlands. Flatters Scotland, actually, more than anything. <laughs> that, that one... That one perhaps flatters, uh, flatters us. But but then that was this was a qualification for the Euro uh, two thousand and four that, that Greece won. So maybe maybe we could have, if we if we'd got got through the playoffs we could have uh, shit housed our way to to a final. But in that qualifying group, I, I, no, we're kind of move, I, I don't want to move away from talking about the game too much. But that, that I was looking on Wikipedia our our qualifying group. We were perhaps fortunate to finish in second. I mean, when you look at the group at the time, was it Iceland, the Faroe Islands, and, and Lithuania and Germany were the five teams? Obviously, Germany were the favourites for that, but they were sort of going through their own crisis of confidence. In yeah, that they'd have to. Two- 2000 World Cup and it all fell apart aye but, but they were in the process of addressing there wasn't a lot of stardust in that, that Germany squad but the other teams like this is like Iceland and the Faroe Islands I know that Iceland became a good side aren't, aren't as good anymore the Faroe Islands were rubbish back then and but they're, they're a half decent side now I mean we drew, we drew with Germany drew with the, lost to Lithuania and drew with the Faroe Islands to show when you start looking at that group you think well we need to win all the other games apart from Germany See what happens in those games, but, we, but you really like to take um, twelve points from those uh, from those games. It's immaterial. I mean, it's immaterial now. I just thought that was a real. I think that period. This was the perhaps the the best ninety minutes of Bertie Volz's time in charge of Scotland because a lot of it was really quite really rubbish. It was still a period where, in a competitive game, even though we were shite, and you, you knew we were shite, like we're like we're playing a defender who played his club football for Dundee. Like, with all due respect to Dundee, that's not usually where you want to be as a, as a Scotland national team. And so well, you... Speak to, speak, to, speak to Den's Park Choir on Twitter then, because... Uh, <sighs> um, Lee, Lee, Ash, Lee Ashcroft should have been starting on on Tuesday. Uh, Lee Ashcroft picked ahead of Ryan Porteous. You've got to think, what what planet are... Honestly, how how can you... How, 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 how? What's, show, me, show me you're working. How? But we show still managed working. to, back then, it seemed like... Regardless of how crap we were, we would give anybody a great game at Hamden. And, like, it's almost... 
kind of like looking at the team now, we're so much better and we've still to really kind of capture that kind of feeling that anytime somebody comes to Hamden, it doesn't matter how you know, much more talented they are than us because often teams now come to Hamden and they're not much more talented than we are because we are a much better team. They are probably still a wee bit more talented. But like we, we still don't quite have that mentality of you're coming here and you're not getting anything, which we did have, we did have back then despite being rubbish. To an extent, but I would, I would like three nil beating Ukraine three nil. I don't think we've done uh, the the Denmark game aside. We've not really like I think we, we smashed them basically. We smashed them three nil. Could have been, should have been more. We're not going um, far back. Like we, we got beat off Ukraine. We also lost to Croatia. We lost to Czech Republic. We do seem to have more home hiccups in us than we we tended to do. And it's maybe it's maybe just a. Uh, you know, there's maybe no reason for it whatsoever. There's maybe no mentality fault. We maybe weren't even that stronger mentality back then, or, or anything to do with that. It's maybe just a case of we were fortunate back then in a few games, and, and uh, we've been a bit unfortunate recently. But it is quite curious that um, we still managed to to be good at home back then, and when uh, yeah, like I said, a, a terrible team. Yeah, uh, maybe maybe there's something in that that now things well, obviously the the. the Worst teams in Europe are getting better. Like you know, there's no, there's a lot that there's there are still some games that are that are a bit of a walkover. Um, I'd love us to play Andorra at some stage. That'd be quite nice. But um, you know, the Faroe Islands have much improved. You know, Iceland yeah. is, isn't isn't a gimme. You know, like you know, a country like Armenia. You know, when they were when they first joined UEFA, you, you'd fancy giving them a giving them a run over. Even a country like Malta, not as not as bad as they once were. So you know the the stand the standard is we're getting better, but also the gap is 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 getting small. But also there's now the element that UEFA sets the timings and things like that. You know, that we you're not the SFA would obviously where possible want to get Saturday three pm's that creates a better atmosphere. You know, all these sorts of the, the the kind of intangible little things that made Scotland made Hamden Hamden is kind of been kind of professionalised out. You might cut the grass in a certain way. Now you've got. UEFA delegates that make you do uh, things have got to be up to a certain standard. Maybe, or maybe I'm just talking shit. No, that's, that's probably some good well. points and I've really thought of. Um, yeah, but any, any, you got anything else to say about this game before we finish? It wasn't much fun to go back and watch. So I, like, <laughs> I'd, I'd say that. Mean, like, yeah, you much preferred the memory of it. Like, aye, the memory of it was, aye, like, like that's probably perhaps it, that, that going back and watching the highlights, realise that James McFadden's goal perhaps wasn't as good as I remembered it to be. That's perhaps the most disappointing thing about it. But a, a curious period in, in Scotland, and in the, like I said earlier, that the only the only real positive result big result that, that Bertie Volk's got but ultimately accounted for nothing because all that, that good work was undone several days later in Amsterdam Right guys, thank you very much for joining me, thank you Telfer Thank you Thank you Duncan Thank you And thank you to anybody for anybody, Christ, thank you to everybody everybody, <laughs> yeah. everybody and anybody for listening and yeah. if you'd like to hear more from us we are now going to record a Patreon where we're going to talk about in honour of Mr Poaches we're going to talk about players that we were wrong about who have played for the Scotland national team and played well for the Scotland national team. We're heading off to a Green King to record it as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd love to do that. We corner. Uh, no, there, there was memories of us trying to record. Uh, was it Joel, Rob, and someone else? I can't remember. Shot, who the that third was just person. fucking stupid. When, when a party moves into the booth beside you, it's time to move, yeah. you three idiots. Anyway, that's patreon.com forward slash terrace podcast. We'll see you over there. Cheers. Bye. 
Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.